the Sex and Spirituality Podcast is a show where we have real deep conversations about everything from love, sexuality, trauma, metaphysics, and healing. I am your host, Lauren Coletti, a feminist poet and grad student studying forensic psychology with a study on sexual health. As a domestic violence and sexual abuse survivor, I hope these vulnerable conversations inspire you to take an introspective look at yourself to help better your life and the people around you. Thanks for listening. You all know how much I adore, absolutely adore meditation. And I always encourage all of you to engage in self-care like yoga or meditation rituals. As a certified yoga instructor and meditation teacher, I am so excited to announce my collaboration with Bloom, the meditation app. Meditation is crucial in our self-healing journey to promote relaxation and better our sex relationships, and everything in our everyday lives. So if you are struggling with mental health, anxiety, or stress, a daily meditation, even just five minutes for beginners, helps to stay calm and grounded throughout the entire day. People over at Bloom app have given me a seven-day free trial for my listeners. Enter the code BLOOMERS when you download the app. That's B-L-O-O-M-E-R-S. I will link that in the show notes today. friends. Welcome to Sex and Spirituality. My name is Lauren Cleddy and I am your host. How's everyone doing? It is almost Friday. We're almost in the home stretch. I've been loving this week. Uh, I was supposed to go back to work, but things took a turn and life had other plans. So I've just been enjoying and soaking up the sun. Uh, the weather's been really nice this week in New York. So I hope wherever you are listening, same for you. I think that there is light at the end of the tunnel and I'm starting to see it. So how's everyone doing? I wanted to do a super um, psych nerd, psychology savvy (laughs) infused podcast today and an episode on cognitive dissonance, cognitive distortions, and confirmation bias. These are psychological terms that we hear a lot in the pop psychology world. And I wanted to talk a little bit about these in relationships and how they impact your relationships. Because if you heard my last episode, I was talking a lot about um, like distorted thinking and obsessive compulsive disorder and things of that nature. And if we're talking about spirituality and the law of attraction and metaphysics and quantum physics, we know that our thinking creates our reality and our thoughts literally shape our reality and that could be for better or for worse. I finished recording that episode, I realized this was all because of confirmation bias, which might be a term you may or may not be uh, familiar with, but this is the tendency to look for information that supports rather than rejects our preconceptions, typically by interpreting evidence to confirm our existing beliefs while rejecting or ignoring any conflictual data. So in layman's terms, this is the tendency of people to favor information that confirms their existing beliefs or hypotheses. And it happens when we give more weight to evidence that confirms our beliefs and undervalues evidence that could disprove it. And people will display this bias when they gather or recall information selectively 
or when they interpret it in a biased way. The effect is stronger for emotionally charged issues and for deeply entrenched beliefs. So I said this in my previous episode and I said we're all biased and it's really hard for us to view things um, objectively, subjectively rather, because we are super biased because we seek out evidence that will confirm what we believe to be true. And this is particularly true in relationships, right? So if we think our spouse or our partner, if we've been cheated on in the past and we think that they're going to cheat on us, we will look for for evidence to support our, our hypothesis that no one is faithful, that no one could be loyal to us. It's quite literally confirming what we believed to be true based on our experiences or our values and morals. And this doesn't even have to just pertain to relationships, although it is especially apparent in relationships. But let's just say I'm someone that likes to live a plant-based whole foods life. I'm vegetarian. Let's say I was a vegan or vegetarian and I strongly held the belief, which I can kind of hold this belief that people that hunt or people that eat meat have zero to no empathy don't care about animals. And if you don't care about animals, you're a horrible person. Well, I will quite literally, if I hold this belief true to my heart, will seek out evidence to confirm that I'm right. And I think this all comes down to our ego, but this could be very detrimental because it could cause us to be closed-minded and sort of we feel superior to everyone else. And this obviously can take a toll on relationships as well as cognitive distortions and cognitive dissonance, which they're all pretty much intertwined. And that's why I like to do these episodes where I connect different terms and how they sort of impact one another. So how cognitive dissonance relates to relationships um, can account for just anything, sort of like confirmation bias where if we are insecure and anxiously attached and we think everyone is going to leave us, we'll take actions that support our beliefs and then we will have the self-fulfilling prophecy through self-sabotaging behaviors that push people away because we become controlling or clingy and possessive and then our partners get repelled by us and it confirms our belief that mm -hmm, everyone leaves me. So in a basic sense, cognitive dissidence, it refers to a situation quite the opposite where someone's behavior conflicts with their beliefs or attitudes. So for example, and this all comes down to, even though these are kind of polar opposites, it all comes down to our behavior and our thought patterns. So an example I could give is when people smoke, even though they know it's bad for them, they experience cognitive dissonance, right? Their behavior, smoking is inconsistent with their beliefs. So the net effect is that they experience feelings of discomfort and this generally results in the modification of either their attitude or belief or behavior so they feel less discomfort. So when anything we're experiencing is unfamiliar or we're not used to it, it's uncomfortable and it could cause discomfort. And this can kind of result us um, to have differing attitudes and beliefs around the world, and it will cause us to behave in a number of ways. We all are powerfully motivated to maintain homeostasis, right? To maintain this balance, um, cognitive consistency. And it is this force that can sometimes result 
in us behaving erratically or irrationally and sometimes even maladaptively because the feeling of dissonance is unpleasant and uncomfortable. We strive to reduce it. The reduction of dissonance can essentially be achieved in one of three ways, right? And going back to this example in smoking, either we change our belief, our attitude, our behavior, which would be giving up smoking, we either acquire new information, research, or reduce the importance of our cognitions, like it's better to live a short life filled with pleasure like smoking than to live one devoid of any such joys. And for me, this is deemed true in my eating behaviors and my eating patterns. I tend to be all or nothing. And I can do an episode if you'd like on black and white thinking and how this really is super harmful um, because it's either like, oh, I'm going to be super orthorexic and not eat anything besides plants and drink alkaline water, or I'm going to enjoy my life and say, YOLO, fuck it. Let me eat curly fries every night. (laughs) So in other words, rather than dealing with the dissonance and discomfort arising from being really committed to something and seeing clear evidence opposing it, sometimes we adjust our beliefs so they're more consistent with the evidence. So I don't know. This is just disconfirmation, right? So for someone to maintain or become more fervent about a belief after a disconfirmation, Certain conditions must be met, like the belief must be held with deep conviction. The believer must have committed themselves to the belief. They must have taken some important action that's hard to undo. The belief has to be specific and concerned with the real world. The believer must have social support and the disconfirming, disconfirming, I can't talk lately. I really don't know what's in the air, but it has to be obvious, undeniable, and acknowledged by the believer. So let's talk about relationships. If this is making absolutely no sense, I told you I'm geeking out right now. So please excuse me. So the thing is cognitive dissonance can occur in pretty much any area of life. And it can be used to explain a lot of behavior, but is very common where someone's beliefs that are important to how they define themselves conflict with how they behave, which happens to me all the time in my relationship, right? And because the cognitive dissonance we experience sometimes makes us feel uncomfortable, sometimes our attitudes have to change in order to solve the dissonance, the mind needs to make it so that the attitudes are consistent, right? So this could be apparent when we look at our attachment styles um, and cognitive dissonance in our relationships. Sometimes we want to behave a certain way, but our attitudes or our actual behavior conflict with our beliefs, right? So I want to be in a committed, healthy, safe, stable relationship. And yet sometimes I find myself dating Nick, my boyfriend, who's super healthy, super safe and stable, and normal. And because I'm so used to dysfunction and toxicity and unhealthy abusive relationships, I find myself getting bored. So cognitive dissonance can account for behavioral and attitudinal shifts in many different domains. Um, And this is something that we have to work on, but it typically involves justifying some behavior to ourselves. So the bottom line 
that sometimes we, let's say we cheat on an exam, even though we know cheating is wrong. We will convince ourselves we only did it because the exam was really tough and we'll never do it again. I.e. we could use this when we cheat in relationships. Another example, we don't want to do the work or study we know we should be doing. So we procrastinate by watching TV and then we justify it and rationalize our behavior that one episode will help us to relax and allow us to study better. So it's sort of like making excuses for our behavior, even when it doesn't align with us. And cognitive dissonance is everywhere and can be used to explain a lot of different behaviors and attitudes. Um, And in this instance, talking about relationships and intimacy. So along those lines, cognitive distortions, kind of just talking about all things that can sabotage our relationships in this episode. um, These are often the root cause of most conflicts in relationships, right? And we'll go over a couple different types. Either one partner is having distorted thoughts or one person is protecting themselves from their own distorted thinking. Cognitive distortions are a pattern of irrational thoughts where things are viewed more negatively than they truly are. Only your thoughts can create your emotions, right? It's not what happens to you, but the way you think about it that creates every positive and negative emotion. The way we think or perceive the world determines how we feel internally. So cognitive distortions, they are normal and everyone experiences some sort of distortions. However, when these become more frequent and excessive and unchecked, it can contribute to anxiety, depression, and relationship issues. And once you start to recognize your own distortions, you can begin to challenge them and transcend them. So one that I mentioned earlier a few moments ago is all or nothing thinking. This is black and white thinking in terms of extremes, right? So for example, thinking you and your significant other are going to break up because of one argument. This thinking is the result of our our brain trying to predict an outcome by minimizing uncertainty and perceiving things as all or nothing. The key to break this cycle of thinking is to learn to think in shades of gray. All or nothing thinking is a result of hyper-focusing on a specific event or situation and disregarding any other information. So sort of like the confirmation bias, right? You can kind of see now how this all intertwines. Another one, we all know about filters, especially us females, is the mental filter. (laughs) This cognitive distortion starts off with one negative thought that leads to many. Mental filtering is our brain's way of filtering out the positives and hyper-focusing on the negatives. Like, Let's say you and your partner have been happy for five years together, but you're both having a rough season. And instead of focusing on the fact that every relationship has its ups and downs, we can't seem to stop thinking about the negatives and can't get past them to solve the issue at hand. So if you notice the cycle of thought within yourself, try writing a list of everything you appreciate. It could be anything from your morning cup of coffee to your favorite place to travel to help your brain focus on more positive aspects of your life. So for example, this morning I woke up and I did a journaling exercise. I, I look up like relationship journaling prompts just because I'm a nerd like that. But I wrote an entire page of things that I appreciate about Nick, how I would describe him to my best friend and why he is special to me. And this can kind of just help us to shift our perspective. Another distortion is jumping to conclusions. We all do this. This is what causes most anxiety, I think. And this is present when someone assumes what other people are thinking and feeling without having any concrete facts to prove it. An example is thinking you know what your partner is thinking when they haven't even spoke yet. And the best way to get past this is to simply 
fact check, right? Ask ourselves if we're fortune telling, checking in with ourselves and our partner and being honest about our fears and concerns. For me, um, whenever Nick and I are being physically intimate, I always assume he's picturing another girl, a girl that has bigger boobs because I have the smallest tits I've ever seen, especially for someone that's like five foot eight and like 155 pounds. I have very small boobs. So anyway, um, I'm getting distracted, here. but I'm always thinking he wants a girl that has like curves, a girl that looks like Kylie Jenner, like, and this may or may not be true. It's probably not true. I don't know. Kind of, I don't want to know, but anyway, all in all, it's not helpful. And I'm just jumping to conclusions there. And it's really not, it's very destructive. Another one is emotional reasoning. This is harder to pick up on because it feels like our feelings are facts. Confirmation bias all the way here. So someone who is stuck in this cycle of thinking will take all of our feelings at face value and not question them with logic. And that's why I always tell you guys, please just entertain different ideas that are different than yours. Sometimes it can be really helpful to challenge our thought processes. Like if you feel like you're not worthy of love and like you're a loser like me, um, instead of like, you just believe it because you feel like it's true, but it's probably not true. And it's probably based off of something a kindergartner made fun of you for in recess, like 25 years ago. And the best way to get past this type of thinking is to write down our feelings and start to challenge them from a more logical viewpoint to help ourselves see both sides of the situation. I know when something's really emotionally charged and, and fuels, we don't want to challenge or see the other side, but it really helps us to grow and develop ourselves and mature. Another distortion is when we characterize a person, place, or thing based off of one characteristic, labeling. This also restricts our mind from being able to grow and develop or change. And it really prevents us from being open to new ways of thinking. So when we catch ourselves judging, which I do all the time, or labeling someone, practice the art of acceptance. This consists of accepting what's happening in the moment, mindfulness, right? And letting go of any attachment to it by accepting things just how they are. And this can go hand in hand with the next one over generalizing the process of perceiving a singular negative event as a pattern of unending negative events. So someone who struggles with overgeneralizing, which let's face it here, my friends, I do every single one of these things. I'll just be real with y'all. But we can find ourselves saying things like, nothing good ever happens to me, or why does this always happen to me? And a helpful process for people like myself struggling with this type of thinking is writing things we are grateful for when we first wake up in the morning and before going to sleep at night. I used to do this journaling practice where I'd wake up in the morning and I'd write three things I was looking forward to that day. And then before I went to bed, I would write down three things that were good that happened that day. And sometimes going back and reading these when we're in the midst of overgeneralizing and causing an internal crisis helps us to recover more efficiently. And this following goes right into disqualifying the positive. So someone who's experiencing this type of distortion is unable to accept positive feedback and turns it into something negative. So for example, guilty as charged. Let's say your boyfriend or girlfriend gives you a compliment 
And I think a lot of women are do this, find ourselves doing this. Instead of saying thank you, we think they're just complimenting us to be nice, not because they actually mean it. So if we notice ourselves disqualifying the positive, start by saying thank you instead of pushing it away. This is something that I've been working on in therapy um, with my therapist and my boyfriend when we do couples therapy. I realize how uncomfortable and how cringe it makes me when my partner says something nice about me. I'll literally blush and like clam up and restrict. It's a full body reaction and it's so powerful that it really tells me I have a lot of work to do in that area. Another one, oh boy, I know someone who I'm not going to mention, but they are the queen of this. Magnification, catastrophizing. This type of distortion plays a role in how we perceive the significance or insignificance of a situation. So this is your basic drama queen, right? Um, On the opposite end, it could be someone who is detached, especially when it comes to emotionally charged situations. And what's important to realize about this is it's our brain's way of protecting us from getting hurt. Next is the should-must distortion. Have you ever heard the phrase, stop shitting all over yourself? I hear it all the time. Um, But if not, it's time to start implementing that, right? When someone makes should and must statements, it's a sign of a cognitive distortion. When people say I should or you should, it's a way of trying to motivate them, but from a place of guilt or shame. And the last thing you want to do is motivate yourself with, or someone else with negative self-talk. So the next time you find yourself shitting all over yourself, start thinking about the things you actually want to do or get to do instead of what you should do. And this is funny because I'm following like a vegan meme account on Instagram And they said, like, comment down below if you're a vegetarian, a vegan, transitioning vegan or something. And I put vegetarian and this troll in the comments commented and said, well, maybe one day you should start trying to focus on saving the chicks and something about dairy. And I didn't comment back because I don't really care about what trolls have to say. I don't entertain negativity. But I just laughed because guilting or shaming someone into changing their behavior never works and it just kind of makes you look like the asshole. So I thought that was a pretty like recent example. Um, We never want to try to change someone or motivate them through being nasty, right? It's never effective and it just kind of backfires and will cause people to not to do the opposite of what we were hoping them to do. So we always want to be coming from a place of respect and empathy and kindness, right? So our last example here is personalization. This kind of thinking shows up when someone believes they're the reason for someone else's attitude, for someone else's actions. An example would be, let's say our significant other's in a bad mood, and we assume it's because of us. We make everything about us. It's human nature to be selfish, right? Or self-centered. But really, they're in a bad mood because they had a long day at work. So the best way to counteract this is to step back and ask yourself, really take that introspective look at yourself and reflect, is this about me or is this about them? And this will help us to emotionally separate ourselves to gain perspective over the situation. So what we could do when we notice these distortions creeping up in our relationships or in our everyday life, we have to build awareness, become more aware of our internal dialogue 
Tell our loved ones about our thinking processes and what we're struggling with. Ask them to point it out to help us stay accountable. Writing our thoughts down to keep us organized and gain perspective on unhelpful thought patterns. And by pointing these out, we are giving ourselves our power back, right? And giving them less power over us. And this will help us to catch ourselves. Remember, each cognitive distortion is our brain's way of trying to protect us. So we have to learn acceptance. Notice we're having these thoughts without judgment. Forgive ourselves for this and use self-soothing language or communicating when our thoughts and our feelings to our partner are showing up. Reminding ourselves we are not our thoughts. Create that distance between ourselves and our thoughts to actively self-soothe, to recover and move past them. And there's a bunch of different techniques to help us calm down when we're feeling emotionally or physically out of control or out of balance. Um, And you can look those all up on YouTube or perhaps I'll even do some exercises in a future show. Lastly, be ready to receive feedback. This is so important in our relationships and this is why I always encourage therapy and couples therapy. Remembering it's good to get and give constructive feedback. If you don't beat yourself up with negative inner dialogue, you will actually be able to hear your partner and take their comments as constructive criticism. The way you respond to criticism is super important to maintain a happy and healthy relationship. So if you think you're experiencing cognitive distortions, cognitive dissonance, confirmation bias, it's all natural because you're human. It's much more common than you realize. And some distorted thinking is going to happen. However, when it starts to negatively impact us and our relationships, it's time to do something about them. So I know this was a little scattered in the beginning. I'm sorry if I threw so much information at you. I'm just, I love like reading and I love information and I love all the nerdy, geeky stuff. I'll admit it. Um, so I just want to know, can you guys relate? Do you feel yourself or find yourself experiencing these things individually on a daily basis or even more so in your relationships? And what have you found helpful? What have you done about them? If anything, I'm right there with you. I'm going through all these things. That's why I can speak so openly and honestly about them from both an educational standpoint and from a personal perspective. So right there with you. Hang in there. We got this. Every day is going to be a little different. But if we work at it and we stay dedicated and persistent, I do believe it will get better and will get easier over time. And always remember, right, the right person will bring out the best in you. And if you find yourself just acting like this crazed animal out of control and erratic in relationships, well, perhaps, yes, take responsibility, but perhaps start to reflect on that relationship and see if it's really worth it and serving you. So I hope you found this helpful. Thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to like, rate, subscribe, share, and reach out to me on Instagram, and I will catch you in the next episode.